Are you struggling with kids fighting, yelling, and more despite listening to the podcast and reading all the books? Parenting can be so overwhelming and exhausting. You know, I see you and I have something that will help. Mindful Parenting SOS. I'm offering free live mindful parenting sessions starting Monday, May 6th. Basically, live mindful parenting lessons that you normally have to pay for. So if you struggle with getting your kids to listen, tantrums, misbehavior, and feeling the guilt of yelling at your kid, then you should definitely get your spot in Mindful Parenting SOS. I'll be there to answer your questions in person, and if you can't make it, we will have replays available. Don't wait to get your spot now. It's free. Go to mindfulmamamentor.com slash SOS to register. That's mindfulmamamentor.com slash SOS. I can't wait to see you there. You're listening to the Mindful Mama Podcast, Episode 75. Today, we're talking about conscious communication. Welcome to the Mindful Mama Podcast. Here, it's about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. At Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you are thriving, when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm your host, Hunter Clark-Fields, Mindfulness Mama Mentor. I coach overstressed moms on how to cultivate self-awareness in their daily lives and to take family and life to a new level of awakening. I've been practicing yoga and mindfulness for over 20 years, and I'm the creator of the Mindful Parenting Course, and I'm the mom of two girls, ages 7 and 10. So thank you so much for being here. I'm, I'm so glad you're here. It's the middle of summer here if you are listening to this live and hot, sticky July, or maybe you're listening to it in the future. But either way, I welcome you. I'm so glad you're here. And uh, this episode is an interview, and I'm going to be talking with a really inspiring, great teacher and friend of mine, Lori Petro. <coughs> Excuse me, Lori Petro. And I'll tell you more about her, but she's a parent educator and she's a child advocate, and she is really. Uh, the one, one of the people who really helped me understand like what was wrong with the the parenting I was doing when my daughter was little. Uh, it really made me think, really made me open, open my eyes. And I think you'll find that this conversation really opens your eyes to um, how even like some of the things that we say to our kids that seem like some of the normal things we say can be... Um, master at helping us communicate more consciously. So, and I can't wait for you to listen to this episode. Right now, things have been pretty quiet over at hunterclarkfields.com. I have been working on my book. I'm working on a, a book proposal. It's a, it's a lot of work going on there. But as you can tell, maybe uh, I've been doing more with the podcast. I've been really enjoying connecting with you this way. And um, I'm really enjoying the podcast, so I've been kind of making it a little more weekly. Is this something you like? Let me know. If this is something that you like, you can let me know by emailing me at hunter at hunterclarkfields.com. And I want to thank DD Mama of Two for the five-star review on iTunes. Thank you so much. I'm going to assume your name is Dee. Thank you so much, Dee. She wrote, I'm never disappointed with the content of this podcast. So easy to listen to and apply. Transparency is so alive here. Awesome job, Hunter. Thank you so much, Dee. I really, really appreciate that. And I want to let you know, um, if you want to leave a review, I know what happens is that you listen and you're like, oh, it's good. I'll, I'll leave Hunter a review. And then 
life gets in the way and you sit down on your computer and it's not what you remember like hours later. So actually I found out that you can leave a review right on your um, phone. Like, so say you have an iPhone, you open up your podcast app and your iPhone and you click on that search button and you just search for the Mindful Mama podcast. So if you search for the Mindful Mama podcast and what you can do is you can click on the podcasts and then um, when you click on podcasts, you can go to reviews, click on reviews and it says write a review. So you can write a review right there on, on your phone. So if you've been wanting to leave a review and you know it would be awesome if you do, I'd be ever so grateful because it, it just helps get the message out to more people. It has to do with the iTunes algorithm. It really helps a lot. So if you want to leave a review, I would be so appreciative and I may read it on the air. I would be thrilled to get some more reviews. So on to this episode. I'm so happy to have on today Lori Petro, my friend, and she is a parent educator and child advocate at teachthroughlove.com. Lori's on a mission to transform the way parents communicate with their children. And I have to give you a personal intro to Lori, because when I was struggling and I was miserable, I found these amazing YouTube videos and they completely changed the way I thought about parenting. Like I was like, what? I mean, I remember sending one of Lori's videos to a friend of mine and saying, will you watch this and tell me what you think about this? Because it completely changed my worldview so much. So thank you so much for coming on the Mindful uh, Mindful Mama podcast today, Lori, and and thank you for the work you do. I, I just you're a, such an inspiration to me. Always, oh, you are <laughs> you're too sweet, too sweet. I still remember when you came and we did uh, a video interview when you were starting yeah. your online programs and way back when. And so I just <laughs> I'm so grateful for you as well and the calmness that you bring to us as moms because that's really needed so thank you for having me on oh my gosh it's a it's a hard-earned calmness so you work like I said with about with communication and you want to transform the way parent parents communicate with their children so why is this work why is this work so important to you mostly because of my experience as a kid I didn't have very good communication skills. I grew up in a home where there was a lot of yelling, demanding, control, and my parents weren't trying to be, you know, they weren't trying to make our relationship hard. They weren't trying to make me unhappy, right? And I wasn't trying to make their life miserable, their lives miserable, but it turned out (laughs) to really feel that way for everybody. And so I grew up feeling really disconnected and, and disrespected, and they felt really disrespected. And it, it ruins kind of our relationship. And my ability to have healthy relationships didn't ruin, ruin like that, but it, it didn't give me a good foundation. And so my personal journey of healing really led me to realize that, oh, okay, it's the way that we speak to each other, and not just with words, but nonverbal communication, body language, you know, like the silent stare and the, the, the eye that you get. And, you know, you hear people talk about all their parents had to do was look at them, mm-hmm. and they knew. And I get that that's a, you know, was a useful tool mm-hmm. in the past. 
but I feel like we've moved beyond that and now we have we know better and really what it does you know the way that we interact shapes the way our children's brains develop so there couldn't be anything more important than development and relationship yeah for me you know I feel like that is those are two key factors that all parents they want healthy development they want strong relationships for their kids with their kids so that's why I do it. It's it's really just about helping parents understand their kids and communicate limits and boundaries without making kids feel like they are bad, you know, because that's what kids feel. They're like, oh, my gosh, or that they hate them. Oh, my gosh, you hate me. Mm-hmm. And we're not saying I hate you, but their little brains perceive. <laughs> and even when they're 14, their brains are little. And they're immature and their perspectives are limited and they perceive that we don't like them or that, you know, we're always, they're always disappointing us. They get these messages that we don't consciously mean to send, but it gets all messed up in the, you know, in the language and the, and our just traditional ways of interacting with each other. So you're saying that your parents, it's not like they were excessively like abusive or unskillful or anything like that. They were just kind of the average, you know, authoritarian parents of, you know, of your childhood. Well, yes. I mean, there's a lot of culturally in, in, in it was influenced by mm-hmm. our culture for sure. And I think every culture has their different ways of communicating Mm -hmm. so it was really loud and abusive but I think that was just defined by very much by our culture whereas some other you know people may be very quiet and reserved in their communication and that's their family pattern so if I look back I'm not going to say it wasn't abusive because it was (laughs) but it was also very common Mm -hmm. it's sort of I feel like hidden behind because I was yes I wasn't going to school with bruises I wasn't getting getting beaten Mm -hmm. But it wasn't here and there. It was like, you know, verbal attacks and calling me lazy and disrespectful and all, you know, calling me names. And again, it was done out of anger. My parents weren't, I know that they didn't mean to uh, be abusive. Mm -hmm. And they might even disagree with calling it that. But I'm not sugarcoating it anymore because it's not fair to kids. And it's not fair to parents because they're unnecessarily creating disconnection and and building walls that they don't even know are there because their Mm -hmm. children are putting up walls saying I don't want to be treated like this and my behavior is my way of telling you my slamming the door is my communication but parents just see more disrespect so I'm trying to translate everything so I translate for the parents what the kids are actually saying with the slamming doors and then I want to help them be able to translate their limits and boundaries into words that actually bring their kids closer and kids are like okay I really do want to do this for you because you respect me and you're helping me and you're standing by me and you're supporting me instead of feeling judged and blamed and shamed which again it's unconscious it's the little things it's like you know how many times do I have to tell you Mm. but when a kid hears that you know even once a once a day every day even if they hear that you know a few times over time it builds up and it creates kids who are stressed out and then they're afraid to make mistakes when making mistakes is just a natural part of childhood and the way that you know slamming doors is sometimes just a natural reaction so if we don't take that personally as parents we're able to connect with our kids we're able to say okay you know this isn't okay I don't 
like when doors are slammed. But I know that you're trying to tell me something and I want to listen. Well, guess what? That kid doesn't need to slam the door anymore because now you're saying I'm here and I'm open. Mm-hmm. This is not okay. This is not okay. I'm setting the limit. I want you to know it. I mean, I think sometimes parents want to, you know, well, they need to feel the consequences. It's like, well, I want them to feel their feelings and be able to manage them because emotional development, emotional intelligence, that is such a huge predictor of mental, physical, and emotional and social health. Mm-hmm. So yeah. success, yeah. all that yes. stuff. Oh my all God, Lori, I could just go off in so many different directions on this with you because it's so fascinating to me because, I mean, I think like you, I come from a place like where there was a lot of like unskillful language, you know, and I, it's funny because I've talked to my talked to my dad about that. And, and it, we see sort of these patterns uh, over time where when when he was a kid, he was really shamed for having dyslexia, but he was also like beaten with a, a belt, um, you know, yeah. under on his legs. And that was just normal. That was just normal parenting then, you know, that wasn't yeah. considered anything abusive, you know, and I was yelled at and spanked. And I remember like being chased down the hall and petrified and fear, petrified. right? Totally oh. petrified fear. And like, you know, for me, you know, my dad was saying, well, yeah, you know, he said, well, you are not, you're really tr- not yelling at your kids and or as much as you can, right? And really practicing to not do that. So you're sort of taking it up a notch. And, and I remember feeling like, well, it's not enough to just not yell. I really like what you're talking about, about this idea of connection. Parenting can be loud, stressful, and rough some days. And we want to be able to go to bed and take care of ourselves in a really beautiful way. And that's why I love that Cozy Earth is a sponsor of the podcast. Cozy Earth offers bedding products that will transform your sleep. The bedding is temperature regulating, which is like a huge sleep benefit, has superior softness, incredible fabric, and incredibly high quality. All the products come with a 10-year warranty. Truly, incorporating Cozy Earth products into your self-care routine can enhance your sleep quality and your overall wellness. You deserve to treat yourself to the ultimate in comfort and indulgence after all the day's craziness of parenting with Cozy Earth bedding and sleepwear. And it's a way to prioritize your self-care and sleep health. You deserve it. And here's an exclusive Mother's Day offer just for our listeners. Use the code MINDFUL35 for 35% off. That's awesome. At CozyEarth.com. That's coupon code MINDFUL35 for 35% off at CozyEarth.com. So my husband's had hair thinning issues for years, for a long time. It's not something he'd love to have. And he's done some things for it. But recently started using Nutrafol. And oh my gosh, we have actually seen quite a difference. Did you know that for women, hair thinning happens in approximately one in two women? And if you're among them, I want you to know that you're definitely not alone. It's normal, but it's not openly talked about and going through it can feel lonely and frustrating. But you can join over one million people who are doing something about it with Nutrafol. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist-recommended hair growth supplement with over 1 million people seeing thicker, stronger, faster-growing hair with less shedding, like my honey. 
Physician formulated with drug-free ingredients, Nutrafol's supplements support healthy hair growth from within by targeting root causes of thinning, including stress, hormones, environment, nutrition, lifestyle, and metabolism as they evolve throughout a woman's life. And while many supplements rely solely on ingredient studies, Nutrafol clinically tests final formulations to ensure their efficacy. In a clinical study, 86% of women reported improved hair growth after taking Nutrafol's women's hair growth supplement for six months. With Nutrafol, building a hair growth routine is simple. Purchase online, no prescription required, free shipping, and automated deliveries to ensure you'll never miss a day. See results in three to six months. Take the first step to visibly thicker, healthier hair. For a limited time, Nutrafol is offering our listeners $10 off your first month's subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com and enter the promo code MINDFULPARENTING. Find out why over 4,500 healthcare professionals and hairstylists recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. Nutrafol.com, spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com, promo code MINDFULPARENTING. That's Nutrafol.com, promo code Mindful Parenting. But, but for those who are still like have a big question mark over their head, for the listener who's listening who has a big question mark over their head and they say, you know, I don't know, like my parents like spanked me or yelled at me and I'm fine. Like, what's the big deal? Like, what do you say to that? You know, we all grow up, right? We grow up and in spite of our childhoods. <laughs> because of them which is it here's the thing how were I want to know how you were then just like you said you were petrified running down the hall Mm -hmm. that's who I'm concerned about now we're adults we learn how to you know we're relearning a lot of us now Mm -hmm. how to take care of ourselves and when we look at our own reactions to our kids you know why do we get so upset when the shoes aren't put on in time why do we feel like we need to scream and yell? We're not okay. Mm-hmm. You know, because if we're in patterns where we're engaging in negative um, communication with our kids, that's constantly just creating power struggles, then how are we so okay? Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And it, this isn't about blaming anyone. Like you're talking about your parents. Like it's getting less with each generation, the intensity of the pain and sadness with which we actually have been communicating for, you know, all of our history as we know it for the most part. So much of it is being healed though, because through this awareness, we're just taking care of ourselves. So I want to, I want to help parents feel like they're supported too. I don't want parents to feel like, Oh, everything I say, you know, is now going to, you know, ruin my child. No. It's not that. I just want to help them feel like they are being hurt (laughs) because I think most of the time parents are yelling because they feel like they're not being hurt and no Mm. one's listening to them. Mm -hmm. And that feeling really does come from running down the hall and being petrified because it just hardwires our brains. So here's the thing. In our interactions with our primary caregivers in those early years shape the structure the size, and the connectivity of our brains. Mm. So when we are constantly using things like fear or blame or shame or judgment, what we're doing is we're stimulating the fight or flight response. So it makes us more reactive. We hardwire patterns that allow us to be quick in danger. (laughs) 
you know, responsive in danger. But communicating with our kids, is that's not dangerous situations. But often we are acting and reacting as if there are, there's a fire and we're all like running for our lives mm-hmm. because that's what got hardwired for a lot of us. So mm-hmm. when we mm-hmm. respond to our kids with compassion, with empathy, with patience. That doesn't mean with no rules. It says I'm not going to let you do this. I'm not, you can't go outside. You can't have that candy. I'm not going to let you, that's, you know. And then we put that physical boundary in when we need. But when we use the empathy without getting defensive, we stimulate the higher, more evolved parts of our brains that are developing in our children and very immature, right? The thinking part of the brain, the prefrontal cortex. Mm -hmm. That's the part where self-regulation, you know, impulse control, thoughtfulness, empathy. That's where that, those things are housed. So that, those are the parts of the brain that we need to stimulate so that we grow them because the brain is a use it or lose it kind of organ. We have to stimulate the areas that we want to grow. Yeah. 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 I love, I love your emphasis on empathy and, and I'm all on board with you and I, I'm trying to imagine what you know, what about, what about the parent? Like I recently read, um, I recently read an article that was talking about, you know, what are sort of the things for, for good parenting. And, um, and one during the toddler years, they said, you know, there should be a little fear mixed in with that. There should be a little fear mixed in with that love, right? Like your child should fear you a little bit. And I just had a big problem with this. And, um, and um, I, but I know some people think that it's important to have a little bit of fear for your child to be able to listen to you. So how do we get our children to listen to us without that fear? And what, what is that fear? What is that fear doing anyway? Well, first, I think it's kind of scary just being a toddler anyway, right? You, you can barely talk. You, can, you can't really get anybody to understand what you mean. You're really impulsive. Emotions feel like they're like smacking you in the face and rolling you, you know, you're under the water in the ocean and the waves going. I mean, so there's the fear. Like if we're worried that they need fear, I think that we've got it covered, you know? No. But it comes from our own fear, doesn't it? Like the fear yeah. that no one's going to listen to us or that they're going to grow up and people are judging us and our parents are looking at us and our friends and our peers and like everybody's judging us and the teachers and the lady at the mall that's staring us down. Mm. But did you see that most beautiful photo from that actor um, from some show called Jane the Virgin and it was him and his toddler and his dad and his wife took the picture and the little girl was on the floor like face down in the middle of Costco. <laughs> And his dad and him are just standing on either end. They're like bookmarking her looking down and it's the sweetest photo. And he posted it on, on the internet and it went viral because he talked about just the most important thing that his dad did for him was just letting him feel his feelings. And he recognized how much that contributed to who he is now as a grown man. And so the picture is just so beautiful. There's like two or three year olds on the floor, literally face down. People are like, you know, just imagining the dirt on the floor, <laughs> you know, would stop us, right? We'd be like, get up off the floor. You know, we wouldn't want to let them feel because we'd be worried about the dirt or we'd be worried about who was watching us. Yeah, what people are, what people are thinking. That literally gives me goosebumps, that story, Lori, because it's so rare. It went- it's so oh, unusual. Yes. It was wow. so beautiful. It was really beautiful. And it reminded me, as a funny, my friend posted it on my timeline because the exact same thing happened to me in the, I was walking, I lived in Los Angeles at the time, my daughter was about three and something happened and she got upset and she, we were 
in the middle of the street walking to the farmer's market, she just decided to lay down on the floor and have a screaming, melting fall down cry and we we were doing the exact same thing that these guys were doing in the photo and I remember this one family stopping to watch and then they talked with us after because she said I was just so fascinated that you were that she was lying on the ground and you were just kind of standing there compassionately watching but not really you know doing or saying anything and we had this long conversation after and became friends you know so it was just (laughs) those moments we need to celebrate those moments so I was so happy that that photo went viral because I feel like it's not rare, but it's not celebrated enough. Well, you know, it's like you think about every single problem <laughs> in our society, and it everything, almost everything comes back to people not knowing how to take care of their big feelings, right? And yes. not like having it be rejected, like you're not supposed to have those feelings, or you're wrong, or you're bad, or whatever for having those feelings. And almost every single problem in our society goes back to that, like people just unable to accept their own difficult feelings and it all comes back to our childhood and I think this like you know Lori and I here are talking a lot about how we were raised as parents as children because this really does it really creates a sort of pattern for how we are then parenting our kids it's not we're not it's not blaming the our parents but it's just like looking at and understanding and creating that awareness um but yeah it all goes back to not being able to feel your big feelings Absolutely. Definitely. And most of us, we might not even know that we're having feelings because we've never actually named them or identified them or or connected the feeling, the emotional state of our body with the physical sensations that we're having. Mm. That's so important, that whole mind-body connection, which is why what you do puts us in touch with that mind, you know, so that we can be still enough to recognize ourselves and our emotional state before we do explode. And here's the thing, we explode, right? Mm -hmm. I yell, I am no different than anybody else, but I'm aware, I don't stand up for my yelling and and, and do it in this self-righteous way. Like, well, they deserved it or she needed, you know, and it called for that or where I go back and I say, you know what, that probably was scary for you. And I'm going Mm -hmm. to do this the next time I'm feeling really dysregulated or angry I'm going to walk away and get some water and then come back and talk because I shouldn't I shouldn't be talking you know unless I'm yelling because there actually is danger that's when that's when yelling is appropriate you know yelling and then running to help the child out of the street when Mm -hmm. they're you know running into it Mm -hmm. but not in our everyday interaction I feel like that's where we just need to pull it back and take but that self-care is what helps us not be so reactive Oh, yeah. Yeah. That whole being less reactive pieces is uh, huge. I mean, that's what that's what we work on. And the mindful parenting is this whole first half is like, let's let's figure it. Let's use use these mindfulness techniques, establish a practice so that you can actually make yourself less reactive. Right. It's the one thing that's sort of proven to help us be less reactive is to sit still and breathe and notice our breathing. It's, it's kind of amazing. Um, so what are some of the, so we don't want to use fear, blame, and judgment, right? Because these cause the stress response. So then what if you have a toddler then, and how, what do we do to help have that toddler listen to us? (laughs) Oh, right. That you did ask that. How do we get our kids to listen, right? So I think we have to shift out of this idea that they're supposed to listen to us. 
So if we need them to put their shoes on because we have to get out the door at 1030, well, then make sure, let's make sure that we have a plan. And that plan might be picking up the screaming toddler and putting them in the car seat without their shoes Mm -hmm. and being okay with that, like not feeling like we have to convince our kids that they have to listen to us. Listening to us usually just implies obedience. And I Mm -hmm. want more for us. I think we want more for our kids. We want to be influential. So we can, we can have obedience and you can control, especially toddlers, pretty easily, some of them, not all, but some with fear, with, you know, takeaways, with all of that. But then we're not, are we actually stimulating the right part of the brain to develop and grow, right? We're not because all of that stimulates the fear centers. So we have to let go of this idea that kids are going to agree with us and agree with our limits and then take care of ourselves. Mm -hmm. And then like make our own, have, we're the ones responsible for taking care of our own needs and our own limits, right? That's kind of what you're saying. And be okay with them getting upset because they will. If you're looking for a child who's going to be like, okay, yes, mommy, I'm not going to have any more candy today. Okay, yes, daddy, I'm not going to scream anymore. I feel completely at ease with the fact that I'm not allowed to go out and play because it's too dark. You know, like they're never, it's time to separate because we have to, you know, go to sleep now. I need at least 10 hours. I completely, like they're not going there. They're not logical. They're emotional. They're irrational. So that's the toddler preschooler. Even when they start to develop some of that capacity to be more emotionally flexible, that part of the brain takes the entire span of childhood to develop, like mm-hmm. into age, you know, into early 20s. Mm-hmm. And that's just current neuroscience. We know that the brain continues to change. So even though we may be really reactive at 30 and 40, we can change too. So we can develop the capacity to be less reactive with our kids. And then suddenly we see toddlers who, quote unquote, aren't listening and we're able to shift into a proactive state of taking care of ourselves, meeting our needs, and still setting boundaries, right? But here's the thing. We have to stop being afraid that if we don't you know, apply punishment or consequences that our kids are going to like be un- these unruly, tribal, crazy people with yeah. no... <laughs> well, the like, truth is, no, right, the punishment... No. <laughs> The punishment doesn't work, though. I mean, like the thing that I because uh, I've done both, you know, I thought I was all on board with authoritarian parenting in the beginning. And I was like, my child will blah, blah, blah. And then I discovered you. <laughs> and I discovered some other things. <laughs> or you discovered your children were like, well, maybe not, mom. Exactly. You know, because the thing is, like, it doesn't really work that well. Like, we have this idea that it's like, this is working so well. But like, maybe if you have your kids on this incredibly fearful regime, you know, they're uh, absolutely obedient. But um, until what age? Till they're yeah, teenagers. I know exactly. Until your power runs out. Like if exactly. we use power, like we that it just it, it really backfires. Like when I order my kids around, that's exactly when they are the most resistant to me. You know, what I mean, like well, it, it just doesn't work that well. And that's the you just hit on something really, really important. When we order and boss them around, what are they then learning to go out and do to get their needs met? Yeah. Order and boss everybody around. And so it becomes the smaller child or their little sibling. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, some sibling conflict is normal and natural and going to, you know, need to unfold in a way that helps kids live together. But it shouldn't be all the time. Mm-hmm. Or and, and kids then learn to rely on others to meet their needs. So then it becomes all about, well, you're making me mad and you're making me sad. And if you wouldn't do this, then I wouldn't be this way. And who's taking accountability? Mm-hmm. So we want I want to teach my kid to be responsible for her, her actions and to know that what ha- what other people do, it may 
she may, you know, have a feeling, a reaction to it. She may see it and it may stir something in her, these emotions. But then from that point on, she has the ability to direct that story. Mm-hmm. Now, she can either be like, oh, these emotions are overtaking me and I have no control and let them overwhelm her. And when we're young, it does because we don't have a lot of control. And that's where the connection piece comes in. So parents come to that toddler who's upset or that seven-year-old and instead of trying to, you know, use logic to be like, well, it's just this way and then don't you see that? And we try to like convince them. We just have to honor their immaturity, honor where they are. That must feel really tough. What, you know, because after you honor that, then you can get to what do you think could have been different? What would you have liked to happen? What do you think you were really trying to say when you hit your friend on the arm? You know, then they then they are able to once they're calm and feeling connected to somebody else because we develop our emotional development happens through our interactions and with our primary caregivers, right? Our parents, our grandparents, family members, whoever are those immediate people in a, in a child's life. That's what's shaping how they feel about their world and how they respond and how they're make they're making memories out of every interaction. Well, I kind of on a tangent there. So no, like, no, I love your <laughs> tangents. I love your tangents because there's so much wisdom in there. Um, but I mean, I think that I think that kind of what you're pointing to is this idea of, um, I don't know, like self-love and self-acceptance in some way. Like I feel like in a lot of the women I work with, one of the biggest challenges that we have, it all comes down to like that we don't you know, there's this this feeling of unworthiness, like we can't love and accept ourselves. And I feel like that, in turn, goes back to our childhood, right? Like, we're always taught from childhood that we are not good enough, because we're always, you know, someone's always pointing out what we're doing wrong, or how to do it better, or things like that. And and what you're saying, like, instead is, you know, um, honor, acknowledge where they are, right? Like, oh, you were really upset. Like, even if your child's having a, you know, a crappy day and hits their friend, you were really upset. Like, you, your your language, your communication with your body and your words says that you still love and accept them for who they are. Your love isn't conditional. You still love and con- accept them for who they are. But, you, you know, but you, there's still a boundary there of, like, what this wasn't okay, what can we do instead? Is that, is that kind of what you're pointing to? Definitely, definitely. And, and believe me, it doesn't, have, it doesn't have to be said with this, like we're, we're like praising our children for mm. having, you know, <laughs> I'm not saying that we have to be all like sweet and soft and, you know, you can be mm-hmm. like, I, I'm not going to let you go in the other room because it's not safe to hit people and you're feeling really angry right now, mm-hmm. you know, and we, maybe we're just really direct and, but calm and not judgmental. It's really just about pulling out the your fault or you're doing this and if you don't stop. It's pulling that out of the language. And yes, saying it's okay to have feelings. Mm-hmm. Because I think that all of the it's such a vicious cycle, right? It's like we're not allowed we're so afraid of our own the judgments of other people that we're trying to just control the emotions of our kids into this neat little package of like perfect children that, you know, we think we have to present to the world. And then those children, because of the words that we use, those children grow up to think that it's not normal or healthy to have these feelings because they were always told to calm down or it's no big deal or why are you acting this way or you shouldn't be doing this. And 
then yeah, we grow up and we think, why am I having these feelings? I'm something must be wrong with me. And then from mm-hmm. there develops this, you know, belief that we're unworthy, we're not, you know, you know, worthy of love and all of these ideas. But it stems from this discomfort within our own like our own thoughts and emotions. We things come up and we panic. Mm-hmm. And we worry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's crazy, right? It's all this like, it all goes back to that. I mean, I, I feel like, um, yeah. And, and so then, so then parents come to, they come to you, they come to me and they talk and it's like, they're having trouble take, you know, with the, their own yelling, their own big feelings, right? This stuff that comes up when their children are, are having these big feelings and, and there's, there's shame that comes up around that. And then to, to, um, to, 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 it's hard in some ways to like sort of communicate that there's there's no judgment around that like that of course of course you have these like of course this is hard for you to deal with because yeah. you know like yeah, exactly like, like of course you know and so this is where like uh, that self compassion work comes in like you know of course you have these feelings and it's like we almost have to like cultivate this you know the there's Self-talk, it's like yeah right? like we have to cultivate that 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 voice inside of us that is is like our own best friend instead of this you know uh you know our 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 angry mom (laughs) well it's exactly true so really like with my conscious communication cards that i use and that i share on facebook when i make we have to take what i'm saying not you know to avoid with children like demands and judgment and shame and first we have to apply that to ourselves yes amen self-talk cannot be because I had so many parents that come to me and like guilt ridden, yeah. so so it's such like racked with guilt, and it's so common. And we need to start accepting ourselves and accepting that this is hard, and that our children, for the most part, are typical. Because we all have like there's never a parenting challenge. I see somebody post on online or in our one of our groups or in a group you know call or something that. Fifty hundred thousand other parents have not already asked about. You can find that question online. Like nobody's doing this alone. We are all experiencing such similar developmental milestones with our children as they go from being really needy and dependent on us for everything to autonomous, self-directed, thoughtful, compassionate people. But we need to, yes, change that self-talk from the very beginning because we can have all the words to say to our kids like I can help us translate from the punitive into the proactive right into the compassionate but in that moment if you're not feeling calm and regulated enough you're not going to be able to access those words that that you remember looking at you know just yesterday or two hours ago yeah. you're not going to be able to access that because your brain sh- the, the access to the language centers shuts down when we're in fight or flight we don't need to talk we just need to you know act so yeah. that's why everything is so that's why when you know we yell at kids sometimes we don't remember what we said or our kids are yelling they don't remember what they're saying because in fight or flight we're not you know consciously preparing thoughtful <laughs> words to you know explain ourselves we're basically just reacting in fear yeah 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 so um so you develop these com- conscious communication cards which are so amazing so what are some of the biggest 
what are some of the biggest uh, communication barriers, right? What are the, what are the, what are the, some of the big things that are so common that maybe that we say that that aren't so helpful? Because I think it's sometimes we, you know, most of the time I think we just don't even know. Like we don't even know that that's going to cause a bad reaction because it's just this is what people say. So what it's, are some of the oh, common ones? Yes, and here's this is what I want to I want to speak to this because we all know that right we're not supposed to be yelling, calling names. We don't need to like that kind of extreme stuff but here what about the little stuff like we have a child who's not paying attention and we start we start out and we say we turn around and look at me I'm trying when I'm speaking to you or it might even be really calm you know turn around and look at me when I'm speaking to you mm-hmm. and then we should you know it's okay it's, it's a demand but it's a direct you know request mm-hmm. but then we might go and say something well look this is what happens when you don't pay attention mm. right we say that we're so well-meaning our intentions are good, but it's just judgmental and sort of shuts down our kids. Or we want to just control them through advice. We're like, just sit still. If you if you watch what you're doing, you'll be able to finish. You know, we just sort of then get into these controlling moments. And then, you know, they're all rigid and stressed out. And then we go, well, look, that, look what happens. You know, I need you to listen to me so that you don't make that mistake. Look at me. Do you understand? <laughs> I want to tell you about a great podcast that you should check out, especially if you ever deal with any school system, which you probably do. It's called Understood Explains. This season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Ortube, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. And this season of Understood Explains covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP and busts common myths about special education. So I checked out the episode on the difference between IEPs and 504 plans because my daughter Maggie uses a 504 plan and it was really, really helpful. It went over all the differences, which one's better, how to get them, different myths and what your rights are, all kinds of different things that you should understand if your child may need extra help in education through an IEP or a 504 plan. The tone is super helpful, friendly, and smart. I highly recommend you check it out. To listen to Understood Explains, just search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's it. Understood Explains. As parents, we know that there are so many things in life that we have to compromise on. But when it comes to your health, there is no compromise. So don't go back to that doctor that doesn't really listen to you. Instead, check out ZocDoc. This is a place where you can find and book doctors who will make you feel comfortable, listen to you, and prioritize your health. And you can search by location, availability, and insurance. So literally, there's no compromises here because with ZocDoc, you've got more options than you actually know about. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare highly rated in-network doctors near you and instantly book appointments with them online. The typical wait time to see a doctor booked on ZocDoc is between just 24 and 72 hours. That's it. You can even score same-day appointments. Go to ZocDoc.com slash mindful and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. That's ZocDoc, Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash mindful. ZocDoc.com slash mindful. So if I'm the child, I'm trying to imagine this, like from the point of view of the child, like, so if I'm the child, 
I'm feeling like like nothing I do is right. Kind of like mm. is this kind of the the reaction? Yeah, yeah that and happens. that's not. I didn't mean that as mom. <laughs> I'm just trying really, really hard because I know this is taking a long time for everybody, and I'm just trying to get you to just just look, just pay attention for five minutes, and you'll be able to do this. <laughs> right? But here's what we can do instead of the demands and like that fear. But it's fear, right? So it's not coming from this place of maliciousness. It's just coming from fear. Fear, fear that our child won't be able to do this, or, or this kind of place, not of trust, right? We don't trust that they can do it. So we this like advising and advising is we talk about that in mindful parenting. Like it's one of the it's like universally discussed. It's like one of the communication <laughs> barriers. But it's yeah, it's so like. I, I still advise, like, it's so hard. It's hard not to, <laughs> so right? Because our brains <laughs> go right to, like, you know, let's go step by step. Let me help you advise logic. <laughs> but what we can do instead is just offer an invitation to connect. So for, that's what we have to do. We have to get our kids' att attention by showing them that we want to help them. So just something as simple as, would you be willing to look at me? I have something really important to share with you. Uh, right? Instead of turn around and look at me when I'm speaking to you. Mm, yeah instead of ordering just say it say it in a like what I sometimes I like the, the way I like to think about it is like for some reason like the all, you know the, all, all the ordering and demanding like I we talk to kids in this way that we just don't talk to anybody else in our lives you know yeah. like yeah like maybe if you know maybe if it were another era and we had servants or something right but like we, we don't like if you had a roommate or if you had your sister over or if you had a friend over you wouldn't say like turn around and talk look at me when I talk to you you'd say hey you know look over here for a second. I have something to tell you that's really important. You know, you would say it in just a different way. And so sometimes kind of like my husband and I's shortcut that we've developed to kind of like help us shift our mindset is to like imagine that we're talking to like our, our roommate, <laughs> you know? Yes, exactly. Because it takes out that, well, you're so right in that we wouldn't talk to friends or anybody else like that. But it also, when we think about it that way, we can kind of just take out that feeling that they're out to get us. Because <laughs> I think that that's sometimes, like, we feel like they're just doing it because they want to be that way. Mm. And they're trying to get us because, you know, and sometimes kids are feeling so disconnected that they're shut down and unable to respond to our requests requests and things because they don't feel like we like them very much. Mm. And our frustration, again, can come across as we don't like them. But just like what you were saying, it's like we almost talk to them like we don't trust that they're going to do what we hope that they'll do. So we need to add a little bit of, you know, control or fear or this or that. And so we're not trusting that they will, their development will, will unfold naturally with us being patient and calm. I mean, Another example, when we say something like, you know, this is what happens when you don't pay attention. That's my really earnest desire to say, look at the details, you know, look over here, look over there. But that doesn't give the child any quality feedback. So I'm all about giving them quality feedback. So if I say something, like instead of judging or shaming what I see or what I think, you're not paying attention, this is what I see, what ha it's happening, don't you, can't you see it? Can I just notice what I see without the judgment? So mm -hmm. I can say to the child, you know, I noticed by the way that you were standing that it would be hard to follow those directions. Mm. You know, because maybe the child is stare, you know, staring, looking off into space. And you know <laughs> that just <laughs> by looking at them, the way that they're it's standing there and looking out the window, that it's probably going to be a little bit hard to follow the directions. So let's look at me for a moment. I have something important to share. 
right? Mm. And then we wait for them. And then, you know, if they don't look at us immediately, we might get frustrated, right? But just if we can just slow down in the times that we don't have to rush, mm-hmm. then in the times that we do have to rush, it's not going to feel like this is the everyday chronic, you know, tension that's built up to a crazy point. Like it, it just won't, we'll have moments of conflict, right? It's not to say that conflict disappears, but the everyday interactions don't have to be such a power struggle. Or yeah. just, just, you know, just saying to a kid, you know, you seem focused on something else. That helps their brain connect and think about, oh, what what am I focused on? Or someone's, you know, interested in what I'm focused on. You know, there's the connection piece instead of, you know, pay attention. You just have to sit still and telling them, you know, what to do instead of just recognizing what they are doing and then let their brains do some work to shift their situation. A lot of times we're telling and demanding and we're not giving their, you know, that big thinking part of their brain anything to do Mm -hmm. following orders doesn't help the brain develop right so they don't actually then get to think on their own and make decisions they sort of abdicate that responsibility thinking well I'm just going to get told what to do anyway or they fear making those decisions because they don't want to do it wrong yeah and then they resist it I I I was thinking this about this because this morning I had I feel like I had like a a pretty good interaction like uh with my daughter was we had to go to swim team practice and she was like lying on the couch reading which she's a voracious reader and could read for hours and hours and hours we've gone through whole things where you know listen it's really important that you know you get your stuff done and then you can sit and read when you're all ready to go (laughs) you know um so she was sitting reading and so I went over to her I said you know hey, when I see you sitting and reading, I feel worried that, you know, we're going to be rushed later, you know, just letting her know that's how I feel rather than kind of like this sort of you statement, I guess, is kind of. So does that give the Lori seal of approval or what would you say in that situation? I think we always want to be honest with our kids, but here's the little, just one little tiny caveat to that. Cool. And that is that we, we don't, want our children to act because we feel worried no so well I mean if it's to develop a skill like self-discipline and Mm -hmm. organization our worry is probably going to make them panic more than it's going to make them thoughtfully aware she just seemed annoyed Panic, annoyance is definitely like the the fight or flight is what I mean by panic, right? So annoyance Mm -hmm. comes out because it's like, oh, reactive, whatever's reactive. Mm -hmm. But here's the thing there are sometimes, you know, when we can tell our kids that we're worried about them, like when things are actually that thing, they're doing things that are dangerous. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm really going to worry. But I would say, I'm feeling a little stressed. I'm wondering, here's, I like to prompt with a question Mm. I'm wondering if you have everything together that you need. Mm-hmm. So then you're still prompting with the question. You're telling her how you feel, or I feel like feeling stressed or worried or wh- whatever words worry. It's like even in that moment, it's a yes or no. Like I'm not here to be the the language police, you know. Like <laughs> I don't want, but I just want us to be really aware of our intention. So that's the big thing. Yeah, yeah. So my going in with the intention of making her really aware of how worried I am, so that she does something about it, because then we're walking in with the intention. Not with the intention, with this feeling of fear, right? Mm. I want to let her know that I'm worried because I'm scared. Or are we walking in to prompt, to give quality feedback, to prompt the development of whatever we we want? So you talked, we talked a little bit about the cards. The cards are divided into three color-coded areas to target 
root causes because I, we can pinpoint any behavior in one of these one or a combination of you know all three of these areas one or more of these areas and they are stress skills and support Mm -hmm. So stress is when our kids are either overwhelmed by the environment, by, you know, sensory stuff, feeling dysregulated in their bodies. And we know we need that the first aid that we need to go in and help them with is to help them calm their stress response. It's not to go in and give logic, advice, you know, demands, make change. It's really just about soothing the system. Then the second area is skill development. Sometimes kids are just developmentally immature. And so they don't have the skills that we're requiring of them. You know, they can't put on their shoes really fast because right now they're so focused on something and they're little and their brains can't shift that fast. So we need to go in and sort of help them along with this skill or practice. What are we going to use to practice? Are we going to get, um, you know, timers or visual aids guides so that kids know, you know, what's next or where to put things when, you know, it's time to clean up. So we can help kids develop their skills with lots of different tools. And then there's support. Do we need to, is this a child who's resisting because our relationship has broken down and they don't feel very supported and we need to come in or maybe their relationship hasn't broken down but they need connection. It's that they're feeling lonely, isolated, lost, worried and they need us to come in with our empathy and our connection. I feel like we always start there anyway no matter what the direct challenge is but sometimes kids are actually resisting us because we've been so over controlling. Mm -hmm. So we need to kind of go in and recognize that the support that we're giving is what matters most. It's about the empathy. It's about connecting with what's really important to their needs. So stress support and skills help us identify what we should focus on because every situation is unique. Sometimes, yeah, we do want to share that we're worried with our kids, right? It's, but sometimes we know that this is actually time for them to work on their skills. So it's not about sharing mm -hmm. our feelings. It's about giving them a tool to manage their time or, you know, something like that actual. But so when we pinpoint these areas, we can then, you know, laser focus in on giving our kids what they need in that moment without mm feeling like we're always giving punishments or demanding and nothing is ever getting done. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. So just so rather than kind of looking looking at, you know, the idea of, of punishment or threatening or using fear to kind of solve the problem and get our needs met, it's like looking at our kids and saying, what kind of what kind of support do you need to make sure life is going to move, you know, we're going to move through the day smoothly, that kind of thing. Exactly, exactly. I mean, these are long-term life skills that we're building with our kids. Being able to communicate, being able to relate to others, being able to take responsibility for their emotions and their behaviors, those are skills that are developing and that take a long time and that if we allow them to make those mistakes in our presence without the fear of being judged or shamed or blamed for their just very natural develop, you know, stage mm -hmm, of development, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. then they go out into the world and they can put forth their best face and their best, you know, and they're proud and they feel capable. Like I let my kid fall apart at home. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, there's still boundaries. You know, when she yells and screams at me or says something, then we go back and talk about it. But she's usually at now at 11, she's usually the first one to come and say, mom, I was really angry and I didn't mean that without mm -hmm. me having to prompt anything. Oh, that's beautiful. But 
but I let her fall apart at home when she needs to and I don't judge it and we talk about well you you know got really angry and here's what we can do instead next time but I don't ever take the position of how dare you you know well again <laughs> when I'm regulated and if yeah. I become dysregulated and I become that judgmental parent I go back in and I repair with her so that our connection our relationship is the glue that helps her develop it's the glue that keeps us does she she doesn't won't doesn't even want to lie to me because she feels she cares about what I think mm-hmm. you know she's at that stage where sometimes her friends are trying to get away with things and she just comes and she just tells me she's like so my friend wanted me to lie to you about where we're going to go to the park but she really wants to go over to the baseball field and I just want to tell you is that okay and then she leaves and goes <laughs> and she does it in private because she's like I don't know why she doesn't want to tell you and, you know, sometimes it's because kids are afraid of getting lectured, of getting mm-hmm. punished or shamed or judged for their ide- ideas. You know, even the idea, well, why do you want to go to the baseball field? It's silly. Just go to the park. It's across the street. You know, it's like they're just trying to avoid all of that sometimes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I- so when we let them be open and expressive but still set boundaries, then they don't feel the need to resist us so much. You're, you're talking about the idea of growing our influence right and rather than our power and there's there's like an inverse relationship between influence and power right the more we use our power the less influence we have like i could see that in my own childhood like the then when i was a teenager there was zero power right and zero influence (laughs) yeah i'm smarter now i don't need you as much i've got these friends who are telling me everything i want to hear that's the other thing and i think that um Dr. Gordon Newfeld, I'm going to say, right, is the one that talks about, well, I get a lot of, a lot of educators do, but really talks about keeping that attachment strong with our kids because when they get older, they will start to listen to the people outside of, of their, you know, close circle. And those people will be more influential if we don't keep those bonds strong, if our kids don't know. And again, it's unconscious. Like they don't realize or we don't realize that we're sending messages of blame and shame and judgment and guilt when we say things like, well, this is what happens when you don't pay attention. Or I told you that was going to happen. Why didn't you just study more? Why didn't you look both ways? Or why didn't you just ask your friend? Or why didn't you use your words? (laughs) You know, all these things that we say to try to help Mm -hmm. are actually you know, tearing away at our, you know, our influence. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's, that's when they need it the most. I mean, that was like, that's, that's our, our big um, hope, you know, for my husband and I is that we don't have kids who just hate us when they're teenagers and want to like get, you know, because you, we need that influence then. Like that's a hard time. Like that's an important time for you to have influence with your kids and to, to be there and, and to keep that connection going. Um, well, Lori, this is amazing. Thank you so much for, for all this work. And I just want to let everyone know that Lori is going to be um, offering a bonus for the Mindful Parenting course. Well, Lori, yeah, absolutely. Like I could just, I could talk to you about this for hours because it really is transformative. It's um, life-changing. I mean, I think that one of the things that we didn't touch on that is important to realize is that you know, this sort of transformation of your communication, it really 
works. Like you kind of touched on it with your story about your daughter not lying to you, but it, it really does work. Like there's, we have more cooperation. <laughs> we have better relationships. Like, no, they are not automatons. <laughs> they are not like always like absolutely 100% obedient like soldiers, but they, uh, they help us out way more than they ever used to. And we have great cooperation and, and this kind of shifting to a model of using your influence rather than your power really, really does work. And, and Lori, your work is amazing for just pointing out, um, just helping us be much more skillful in our communication. Well, thank you. I'm, thank you. I'm so grateful for people like you. Are, we're leading the change together. We are all joining and saying this is helping us at home. It's creating willing cooperation. So. Yeah, and the, the ripple effects. Yay yeah. for the ripple yay. effects. Yay, <laughs> yay, yay. Cool. So everyone go check out, um, you know, Lori's Kickstarter. And if you are listening to this a year from now or whenever, um, go to teachthroughlove.com, all spelled out, or you just Google it. Uh, maybe... Three years from now, there won't be Google. Who knows? You're, <laughs> what, what you'll do, but you'll, you'll figure it out. And, you might um, just have to think it, and it'll just pop up on your oh screen. Oh, my God. It'll just, <laughs> it'll just download into your brain. <laughs> um, thank you so much, Lori. Thank you, Hunter. Thank you so much for listening to the Mindful Mama podcast. I really appreciate it. I hope you liked this conversation with Lori. She's an amazing teacher, isn't she? I I really love how she said how kids are not logical. They're emotional. They're reactional. You know, she just helps me. I don't know if she does this for you, but she helps me shift my expectations about, you know, what it is to be a kid and how we should be relating with them. Um, so if you have any questions, you can email me at hunter at hunterclarkfields.com. That's Clark with an E, Fields with an S, HunterClarkFields.com. And if you would subscribe to the podcast and leave a rating, I would appreciate it so much. If you like it, please do subscribe. And remember, you can just click on your phone to leave that rating. Click on the podcast app. You just search, do the search button, search for Mindful Mama Podcast. You'll find it. You click on the the little box on the bottom is on the podcast and then you click on reviews and you can leave a review right there so it really really helps a lot please do that and if you liked this episode of course share with your friends tell people about it uh, remember to grab the free audio training at mindfulmamaguide.com and um, right now we are we are uh, in a sort of a quieter period in the summer. I am taking some applications for one-on-one -on -one coaching clients. That's sort of ongoing. And if so if you would like to work with me, I would probably like to work with you if you're a listener to this podcast. I love working with all kinds of moms. They come from all walks of life, from teachers to stay-at-home moms to lawyers and and it's just a way to take a shortcut into really becoming that mom you want to be, taking the steps with a coach to guide you. I mean, I work with a coach. It really, I mean, I have to say, it just helps you take it to the next level. And, you know, the thing that, the thing that we, it seems like crazy, right? But we don't value it enough is our time, right? Like, we only have so much time when our kids are this little, they, it's so cliche, but they grow so fast. I mean, 
we don't want to waste our time. And I, I really feel like that's what coaching is about. You know, it has been like that for me and we only have so much precious time here. So, so, um, if you're interested in working with me, go ahead and check it out on my website, hunterclarkfields.com, and you'll see something for work with me. You can always just email me too. I'm happy to hop on the phone and chat. So that's coming up the next episode. I said that. <laughs> and thank you to William Fields for the music. Check out his amazing work at williamfields.com. And have a lovely week, my friend. I'm sending you lots of wishes if you are in the warm, sticky air that I am in right now for some cool, fresh breezes. But maybe you are on the other side of the globe, and I'm wishing you a nice... Have a great week. Namaste. Are you a mom who wants to feel less stressed and enjoy motherhood more? Do you want to be calmer with your kids and be more present for all of your life? I'm a mom who has gone from really being stressed and yelling when my kids were young to having a more grounded, more at ease relationship with life and having more enjoyable cooperative relationships with my kids and I've shown hundreds and thousands of women around the world how to do this and I want to show you how to do it too. So if you are currently feeling stuck or stagnant this is definitely for you. I've created a free downloadable audible training mindfulness for moms the superpower you need and it will show you how to respond rather than react, how to let go of stress and feel more grounded in seconds, how to have a smoother day today and become more present for your kids for a lifetime. To get on on this audio training absolutely free, simply visit the website www.mindfulmomguide.com. Oh, hey, everybody. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory. Two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. And this is our new podcast, Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. What happens when your creative spark just seems to disappear? Gone. Poof. Bye. See ya. What happens when life gets in the way of your creativity instead of nourishing it? That's what happened to Molly and me. We felt like the thing that drove us creatively stopped working and impending doom had in fact impended. Totally. So we decided to do something about it. And that was steal ideas about getting unstuck from the most creative people we can find. We talked to guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. And we're not just talking Bob Ross type paint on paper artists here, though we talk to them too. We're talking to actors, creative directors, dancers, and people who are working hard to be their best creative selves in a world that can sometimes feel real uncreative. We all have something to teach each other, so let's steal their ideas together. Join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Pandemics, school calendars, world events, lack of sleep, oh, get out of their life gunk. And let's get back to your best creative self. Subscribe to Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. You're not going to want to miss an episode. Unsticking It with Blair and Molly, because sometimes life sucks. Unsticking It.